Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, colleague and friend of Julian's, and today another in our Thought Leaders series. We welcome Candace Walters, certified Pilates and gyrotonic instructor, specializing in spiral and line movement. Her website is spiralandlinemovement.com. And Candace, as you'll hear, helps so many in an exploration of their own bodies, a way to heal and grow and to understand the true connection between the mind and the body. Julian, I'll let you take it from here. Well, I've been noticing uh, almost like I've been a victim of it for, for, for most of my life, which is the word listening. Rather than sounding accusatory, I've been really stretching the imagination when it comes to listening, especially regarding uh, your work, Candice, as far as the mind and body. If one, if one isn't listening to one's body, then who on earth and what on earth is one listening to? Good question. <laughs> Which has a lot of the interconnections, Jordan, between the mind and body, because Jordan and I have spent a lot of time looking at the word in between, haven't we? As far as the, the definition of in between, it's got a lot to do with a simple definition, which is the word being. So I think being of mind and body and being healthy and being fit really sets the stage, doesn't it, Candice, when you think of how you and I got to know each other very, very, very well after all of our conversations we had. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for putting the suggestions. And I put at the top here, which was uh, the words, listen, 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 which okay. according to my wife and lots of people, it, 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 it shut the F up. Right, Jordan? I didn't want to jump in and make that comment. <laughs> my my thought was uh, the fact that he was able to do any exercises with you because he does <laughs> tend to talk a lot and you were able to corral him into getting onto that Cadillac yeah, or whatever. Right. <laughs> testing my listening skills as well cuz uh when you're when you're in the field of mind body I, I care so much about the person um feeling better, right? That sometimes I can also speak a lot. I have some clients that they just raise their hand. It's like I'm in a classroom setting <laughs> and I do have to pause and listen and, and I do let them speak. So we had a good, you know, we found our rhythm, Julian, I think, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You've got to be a bit subjective as well yeah. as being objective as well, right? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. And sometimes the verbal that comes up, I mean, it's coming from the body, right? It's coming through the, yeah, just, just, it needs to be expelled. It needs to be lifted up and taken out into the air, I think. Right. So. Oh yeah. Cause you've got body language, haven't you? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. And that's an important part to contribute to how we behave and how we treat our bodies. Mm -hmm. So also, I love your suggestion in regarding the, 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 the thoughts you had about the topics. They were right on the money and I wasn't expecting anything less than uh, that kind of investigatory discussion as we're about to have, you see. Candace, are you, you busier than ever these days because of the uh, level of stress that people are under and lack of time yeah. and uh, and constant worry? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can, if I 
took you through the, I only saw two and a half people today. And thank goodness I took a class for myself <laughs> and was able to take a walk just to balance. Cause you, you know, you've got the world, right. Then you've got your own life. Then you've got, maybe you fell down the stairs and you know what I mean? So yeah, all, all of the, uh, I teach movement. However, I take you as you come. And so there might be other things going on. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'd like to know, Julian, what you discovered. Let's get personal if you don't mind with, Sure. With Candace in your work with her, what what revelations did you come up with? Well, it, it's got everything to do with what goes on between the mind and the body. Because I'm so busy outside of my mind, as Candace knows. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it was quite appropriate for Tony Madaluna, who's <laughs> been a, a client and has known Candace for a long time. In fact, Candace, you you you've got clients who are the current head of Pfizer is your client, right? Yes, yes, I, Albert I did. Albert Baller, right? Albert, yes, wonderful guy. Yeah, so it was it was largely to do with, I'm looking, George, answer your question, I've always been looking to surround myself with superlative people, with the various <laughs> advantages that other people outside of your own particular territory can offer you. Well, I can certainly attest to that because of the guests that you've been bringing onto the podcast, including today's wonderful guest. The reason I ask that question is because, Candace, people come to you for different reasons. You know, they have a sore back or they have a, a weak knee or they just want to get aerobically more fit. But sometimes they're dealing with trauma and inner stress that's mind-related and they've tried everything else, right? They've tried drugs, they've tried therapy. And sometimes what you do is release some of those through physical action, through physical manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to help the person get to more of the root cause, if possible. Um, and I, I do think that it takes a village. I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience in my own body and um, travels um, you know, through various injuries and healing. Um, and also <clears throat> having taught people uh, in this modality since 2006, seeing so many different, again, just um, people and things they're going through. And then it, you know, the Pilates and the gyrotonic are good uh, templates or houses for helping a person move through um, any kind of stress or trauma, uh, whether it be a physical trauma or psychological or a bit of both. Um, and then also, if I feel like, let's say they plateau or something's not really shifting, right, that I'm trying, that I do also have a literal village <laughs> of a healing community that I also think can couple uh, with what I do. And that's also very nice to collaborate uh, with others. So it could be a physical therapist, right, or an acupuncturist, masseuse. Um, Julian and I, through uh, our work together, I know he's seen like a breathing expert, right? And um, we talked a lot about Dr. Sarno, who was looking at the back, not just being about back discomfort, but emotions housed in the back, you know? So I'm a very open-minded person just because I have also seen people go through different phases and different people are open to various things of what's working for you. You know, that's really kind of at the uh, core um, to say, I guess the best word of my work is to, again, take you as you come, and how is it best that I can help you? So the approach to the work um, does involve the template of like the choreographed movements uh, that both of these creators of the methods uh, came up with, right? And you're looking at working in different ways with gravity. You're looking at working the body if you're lying on your back or face down or on the side, right? And dealing with gravity in different situations. 
Um, and then you're also looking though at uh, breathing rhythms, right? And the, the deep core of the body. So the psoas and the diaphragm and just really that interplay, uh, you know, between the two as you're moving through things. So that's where it can get quite interesting where some people might just want to come in and like you're saying, have a better cardio health and they have a marathon that they're wanting to make a certain time in, right? Uh, whether they had an injury or not. And then I've got uh, someone else who literally might've fallen down the stairs and they're coming in for very different reasons, right? Of stabilizing and feeling better. And maybe they just want to stand more balanced or, you know, so it, it's, I, I really do love what I do, uh, being able to take um, what I know from anatomy, what I know from both of these methods and just, again, come to a creative um, kind of regimen for the person, you know, to feel better in their body. Yeah, I think to underline a lot of what Jordan was saying, what you were just uh, responding was something, uh, Candice, you and I brought up, the other, you brought it up, really, which is the word injuries. Yes. And you, you mentioned a lot, which is uh, injuries teach us all about grief and emotions and resilience and mind-body experience, and then we came up with something which I think I came up with. I call it body architecture <laughs> and living the mindfulness. Yes. So I think you're, you're talking the same language as Jordan by responding in a way that uh, it isn't a sort of a, a one-way street, is it? No, absolutely not. I, I really think, and in the dialogue as well with the person, um, you know, understanding how you're feeling things, where are you feeling the things, and and opening that thread up is quite interesting as well because, and Julian and I, I think we had to play around with this for a while, um, knowing where one's body parts are in space, right, sensing like the pelvis, for example, and then we had to find the language together of how your body was taking in my languaging, and then I had to learn your languaging of how you were figuring it out, right, and expressing it. So there's a, there a very nice interchange because I don't want someone to feel like they're doing something wrong. It really should be an exploration and a better understanding. Uh, because, and if you've had an injury per se, like I've had many myself, um, you know, it, it kind of really knocks you off your feet, right? Knocks the wind out of you <laughs> sometimes literally. And then you have to kind of pick yourself up and go, well, what's going on now? Where, where's my center now? And uh, what's the best thing that this, this needs right now. Um, so yeah, yeah. All, all of the, um, the things that we were talking to with the, uh, injuries, I, I mean, I've had, it's interesting. I've had literal physical injuries, but then there might've been a trauma, uh, attached that then kind of blends itself into the tissues sometimes mm. and becomes, um, like you're saying, walking the talk and, uh, taking it kind of out of the studio yeah, it's interesting. I think listening to yourself in daily life rhythms, right? Uh, when you get out of the bed and how you're moving around outside of exercise also can tell you a lot. Yeah. It's interesting, um, too, uh, Candace and Julian, that uh, people try to hide the pain and, you know, take an aspirin or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that every once in a while. But whether yeah. it be uh, uh, overdoing exercise or using drugs and alcohol, whether they be illicit drugs or not, and yeah. doing anything they can to escape the pain. But sometimes the pain, and it could be psychic pain, could be uh, telling us something and messaging us. That's where the listening comes in, I think. For sure. For sure. I mean, one of my, um, I agree with all of that, Jordan, my, uh, one of my mentors that I um, uh, came across in my Pilates training, she was doing a simple, seems simple anyway, a leg exercise with me. 
and she had her fingertips on my lower back and I was supposed to lift just one leg up very slow and down very slow on a hum. And I could do one leg with a very nice open mm, sound. It had a nice tone <clears throat> and I could breathe easily. And then we get to the other side and I had the hardest time. I was running out of air very mm. quickly and I, the tone would get cut off. And um, not only does that kind of glottal attack tell us that I'm not breathing fully, but she sensed trauma. So it, she took it upon herself as an instructor to just pause the exercise and ask me, have you been through any kind of trauma? And do you mind if I ask? And I said, uh, I was just sh kind of shooken for a second. And I said, well, I <laughs> let me think about that. And, and I didn't try to hide from the question, but it was interesting because my brain flashed through, you know, I remember falling down the stairs as a toddler. I just kind of like lost my footing. And then I remembered twisting my ankle at 19 dancing. And, you know, it, 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 you just get these flickers of things. And so it was like, well, do I pick one? <laughs> and actually for me that day, um, I had a very close, um, happened to be a boyfriend in high school, uh, who was very depressed and he had con been considering suicide. He did not take that uh, choice, thank God. But, um, you know, that happened to be that day, the trauma that we were unwinding out of my psoas. And had she not stopped to ask, I was not having some of the listening skills like we're talking about to actually maybe understand some of the frequency or energy because it was not a clear thought about that person at the time. Um, but it's it's very interesting if you can be an open, and we're talking about listening, right, in the sense, kind of like a sixth sense almost, and then using really a taking in of the person with your eyes and your touch, uh, it can be quite remarkable and help release things that are holding you back. Yeah, I appreciate so much of what you're saying, because when you and I first got to know each other, I just uh, had the hip surgery. Yeah. And of course, I'm writing down what Candice provides, not is she damn good and superlative at the, the, the profession that she puts out there, but I wrote down, this is beyond just physical therapy. Hmm. And I wrote down, well, is Candice just the icing on the cake because of the category and the level of which you bring people's well-being to of course, that's where Tony Madaluna and I's conversation. Tony Madaluna and I used to work on, instead of talking about pharmacology, we referred to it as the well-being industry, if you remember. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think there's a lot of mix. You were talking about words like uh, trauma, but then you and I spoke yesterday about emotions. And I think there's a lot of mixed emotions yes. that go on. And of course, you've got the reactions as far as a form of emotions when you think of energy in motion and that, that we're all required to move our bodies aren't we so you've got energy movement trauma invasions of when you've had surgery and i was writing down well candace isn't just the icing on the cake i candace it is the cake <laughs> thank you julian <laughs> you're welcome Thanks, we've so. got a lot of ingredients there you're the recipe what I call the recipe for sustainability. Dare say you are also an empath because in order to help people in any field, you know, you need to have that sense of empathy. Am I correct? Uh, you mentioned touch, yeah. for instance. I mean, that's. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are different types of touch skills that one learns in various healing modalities. So like in Pilates and gyrotonic, for example, because I'm not a masseuse, um, you know, I 
can sense through kind of uh, like, let's say I'm helping you stretch your thigh, right? Mm -hmm. Very gentle touch. Uh, I can choose, and we talked about this in my training, I can choose to tap in in that way if I'd like to. And sometimes it may not be necessary, you know, or not the right moment. So it's it's very interesting. Guided touch, um, you know, can tell you a lot. Um, yeah, and, and I would say like, just because I'm thinking of other modalities that have helped me because I've received a lot of, um, uh, healing modalities like cranial sacral, for example, there's a very delicate touch of the cranium and the sacrum, right? Making sure that the alchemy along the spine is having a better flow. Uh, and depending on how that touch is given in the right moment, it really can tell that person a lot, tell me a lot, you know, open up again a conversation, whether it's even just on a cellular level versus a verbal. Um, and uh, I'm going to circle back to something that Julian was just saying about emotion because I was sharing with him. I um, unfortunately have lost uh, four people this year in a very close span of time between January to um, April. My mom was one of them in early March. And um, I'm going through grief counseling and it's just so supportive. And we have been unzipping some words. And I knew that Julian would appreciate um, the fact that one of the counselors said, you know, the word emotion has motion in it. And this was coming to me in a day where I just have been having a patch of time where I did not want to move my body, which is quite ironic to me, you know, teaching and helping and moving and wanting to dance. And I, I love moving my body, right? And uh, it just, I didn't have the joy that was synonymous with my typical movements. I tend to be a very open-minded, happy person. And it just was not coming from that wellspring. So uh, once the, the counselor said that, I thought, you know, this, this also butts up with something that Julian and I uh, worked on for, for me with the language for leading of uh, letting go of perfection. That even if it felt not joyous and kind of yucky and thick, and maybe I would go on a walk and just lose it at the mailbox, that's okay. Yeah. You know, so, so allowing <laughs> myself to also go through a different uh, phase and iteration and that there's still this container, these containers, right, that I've been trained in that uh, offer uh, support and um, safe moving if it felt, if something felt unsafe for me. Um, yeah, and, and really not having to be perfect. And then Julian's work really helped me um, kind of, I'd say, break the last maybe, I don't know, big granite. <laughs> chunk of granite uh, about that just having been a performer uh, as a young person and uh you know it's it's carrying me now into more of a free sense i think with my listening skills and my teaching um and and it's yeah it's helping a lot well you were so. a trained dancer weren't you i'm a trained actor singer dancer actually i started with modeling and if you can imagine just even the word model modeling right mm. <laughs> just uh, you know, it, it's um, also such a different era when I was doing it, right, in the 80s, uh, you know, from the time I was five. And um, so both of my parents were educators and uh, also artists. And my mom was a photographer on top of being a teacher. So that was how my avenue started into the performing arts. So, uh, yes, I've been dancing since I was three and very lucky, uh, or I feel lucky that it was creative movement, creative just movement in space. And we would draw templates and have all kinds of music and drums and, you know, and then that I'm still dancing at that uh, particular studio right now. And it really formed who I am as a person, uh, as a woman and as a teacher. I, I'm so lucky to still be in that community of, of people so you're representing all of the above aren't you in the occupation that you now 
successfully produced. And if you remember one of the key words that we discussed, which is the word mission. Mm -hmm. So it gives a strong indication as to not only how you do what you do and how you perform, but it, 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 it emblazons who you are as far as the stand taken by you. Would you like to share, if you can, your mission statement? Sure, sure. Uh, so the stand is loving myself. And my purpose elements um, are being inspiring, caring, engaging, enlightening, and evolving. Wow. Now, how is that? It's obviously worked its way in around the practice that you've actually been able to highly successfully uh, put together. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it feels almost like in a very good way I'm on a carousel. <laughs> uh, I can tell you even today of the people that I saw game sessions to, we're having an interaction. I'm learning. You know, I learned about a new um, book on trauma today from my last person that I saw. It's just, it's this constant give and take. And um, even though there are physical demands to my job, you know, and, and the certain hours, if I don't feel like getting up so early some mornings, like those kind of normal life things that you have to work through, I am always, um, again, going to bed happy to then get up and see my people and, and help others. Yeah. Um, and, and in the dance um, community right now where I'm dancing at uh, Arts Together and Rainbow Company, the piece that I'm in, the age span is from age 12 to 75. Oh, great. And it's just beautiful, right? I mean, the way that I'm able to interact with the younger people and then into the, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm smack in the middle and I feel like I learn from both sides. And then I inform uh, almost communication skills and, and I'm setting out yeah, my, my purpose elements towards young and old. And there just is a very nice exchange because we're, we're open and we care. <laughs> uh, the 75-year-old lady is um, a teacher of dance from the public school system for her whole life and is now retired. And I just love that she's still moving and it's, you know, it's great. You, know, you brought up something <laughs> fabulous, which is uh, not just the word open, but as if one is being one's mind and body and that you like use the word carousel. And I yeah. like that <laughs> metaphorically speaking, especially when you enlightened on your purpose elements, because you can't just be a solitary expose of one of your purpose elements. So I like the carousel almost as if what goes around comes around. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Have, have, have you ever metaphor, so. <laughs> have you ever played uh, Julie Jordan in Carousel by any chance? Because you said oh, you did. Goodness, thank you. No, I, have not. I love that. I love that role, though. It's a beautiful yeah. musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learning yourself, yeah. the kind of person who's a client of yours. Mm -hmm. So there's a real interaction, especially when you mentioned the word "open" just now. You're opening up what I've been scientifically all about, which is the, the molecules of emotion. Mm -hmm. So when I studied the science, you remember the book by Candice Pert, when she wrote yes. the book, Molecules of Emotion, it's as if we're opening up not just our bodies at the superficial level, we're opening up every molecule of our body mm -hmm. that are basically emotions physically and mentally. Yes. And when you're being true to yourself, you have to represent your own particular mission mm 
and that communicates with all of your clients, doesn't it? So we're all learning as well, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, I would hope so. That I mean, really, that is one of Michael's aims. Um, you know, I have uh, someone new coming to me Saturday, and and I really made it in my my opening email to him. I want you to ask any questions. There are no silly questions in my book, and I want you to understand more about your own body. You know, that that is part of my mission statement, really, so that you can not only feel confident in doing movements without me, but I think that understanding the physiology. Um, basic anatomy, you know, just where organs are placed, just, it just gives you more um, ownership, but it also can give you more of that sense of center and grounding and calming to mm -hmm. understand how, right, there's the word how, which I love so much, to um, move and adjust moves or, or, you know, things in your life, depending on your goals. Julian mentioned well-being. Uh, we've talked about this on one of our podcasts together, I believe. The idea that the word dis-ease is the word that people hear and think about all the time, instead of thinking about ease, you know, which is what we, we should strive for. And then when we get cured from a dis-ease, we just forget about it and move on and then don't take the opportunities to try to improve our lives physically. And that improves our lives emotionally and mentally. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's a good point, Jordan. I am definitely... Um Ugh. I, I mean, look, I'm human and my ego wants a Band-Aid sometimes, <laughs> right, at that Advil. Uh, but learning through, like, one of my injuries that I incurred, I, I have, and Julia knows this about me, I have had what I call crazy just life, I'm just living my life kind of injuries. Like, I, my 28th birthday, uh, my partner surprised me by taking me out for um, bull riding, mechanical bull riding. <laughs> And I was great. I stayed on the bull for a minute and a half. I don't know if I was given that, you know, card because it was my birthday or whatever. I didn't get knocked off. Guns and Roses was playing, you know. Um, and uh, until the next day when I got up and had a nasty bruise on only one thigh and went to demonstrate a push-up for a client and could not flex my wrist. <clears throat> so that injury turned out a long two-year process of healing. Uh, it turned out that I had two cervical herniations and I had thoracic outlet syndrome and carpal tunnel and I was 28. So it was very humbling, um, very emotional making. I learned a lot though. I mean, I learned about more patience for myself. Um, I learned that <clears throat> because I have a, like a, or I am a hypermobile body type and sometimes that can be exacerbated from dance, but it is also, they're coming to find, um, on kind of an arc of, um, tissues uh, almost autoimmune they can spectrum hypermobility range so it takes us twice as long to heal and i wish that someone had told me that a long time ago i didn't really find that out until my mid-30s and i kind of took a final exhale on the emotions i had housed from that injury healing uh, situation anyway it also led me to the gyrotonic so sometimes you don't know like i can kind of laugh now about it and go well the universe had a grand plan, you know, and I am one to uh, make lemonade out of lemons. And so it really was a very um, interesting part of my journey. I guess I will say that much. It opened me up to um, more understanding in my body that the body wasn't as fragile and that the core is extremely dynamic. Uh, breathing technique can change the core, you know, and I thought, okay, after Pilates, I was healing something else and I'm safe now and things are good and more perfect. And now I can, you know, go perform and everything's fine, right? No, <laughs> the, the the universe, or as, as Julian would say, life keeps happening, right? It's true. Absolutely. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, here we the are. Exercise, one of my favorite catchphrases I coined recently, I call it the BLT, 
uncommon to popular BLTs, as we've often heard in the, uh, the food courts of marketplaces. I call it the breathe, listen, and think. Ah, uh, excellent. Love it. Could I get mine on whole wheat? <laughs> you, you can't get away with breathing. You just have to breathe. Hmm? And once you've got that kind of natural balance that's uh, supporting what you're actually providing as a, as a brilliant service, then you're able to listen because you've got to breathe and listen and then think somewhat simultaneously. Hmm? As you notice, if you don't breathe and listen and think, you're going to find yourself having what I call an accident. Mm -hmm. But instead of calling it an accident, I just refer to it as a uh, as a conscious level of responsibility. Mm. And responsibility is, is representing who you are, which is why you've actually allowed the language for leading, which uh, has as its headline a particular mission, because your mission is how you exist and how you represent yourself, because it it informs us as to the direction we're going in. That's why it's called the mission, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you've emphasized that in, in the, the, the glorified practice that uh, you've been able to put together. And that's why I call Pilates the, not just the icing on the cake, but it's, it's all the ingredients that, that constitute the cake. I said to Candace uh, off air, I said, uh, I recently started doing Pilates, probably about three months now, and I absolutely love it once a week uh, for an hour with a one-on-one -on -one trainer who happens to be a good personal friend of our family. And it's really amazing when you, when you realize what your body can do. One of the reasons I'm doing it is to improve my posture, which you can probably notice I'm still slouching. It's, it's the studio. It's leaning over the controls. I just love, and of course, it's all related to breath control, as yoga is. The final point I'll make is this whole body, whole mind approach. Sometimes we're skirting around the edges and we're, we're almost there, but not quite. And that's why it's called a practice, right? <laughs> because you've got to keep working at yeah, absolutely. I love the word. And it's, it's interesting because the word practice, you know, when I was younger, I heard it in terms of yoga. And then I think when I found Pilates and gyrotonic, it did solidify more of a practice. Mm. I think your practice, um, again, it, it just, and it has, it's kind of like going through a book, right? That has chapters. I don't know. I feel like there, there is different exploration that you can find if it is something that you continue to return to. Right. It's not a one and done. Um, and, and like you're saying, the breath control as well, because, uh, you know, this, Jordan, it's it's um, you know, you can do some movements on inhales or you can do some on exhales. And right. it might depend on what's complementing uh, the feeling in your body or, again, what your goal is. Um, and also dipping into the places in the body that you maybe didn't think you could move from um, is also so uh, freeing and supportive. And, um, yeah, I mean, Joseph Pilates was he was really on to something. He was just ahead of his time. And he was a contemporary of uh, Moishe Feldenkrais and Alexander, where uh, those gentlemen all saw the industrial age happen to bodies, you know, mm. where even children, right, were working over sewing machines and on lines. And he was seeing the body shapes <laughs> meld towards the ground. And, um, you know, he, Pilates being a, a sickly child and um, being a boxer, you know, his whole understanding of uh, that deeper abdominal muscle really being an integral part of the framework of the body uh, against gravity is just quite brilliant. 
Um, so the attachment of the transverse ab where the diaphragm and the psoas also attach on the spine. Um, that's how I was taught to really look at the core, right? Because you can look at inner core and then you can look at superficial core. Um, and I think that part of how I work is to help people sense uh, not only that part of the body, whether it's laying on a table or having a ball behind your back and sensing the breath, right, coming into that part of your body if you've never sensed that before. Um, and it, it's really quite uh, life-changing. I don't know. To me, it felt that way. I, it, it was, I don't know if you felt this way, Jordan, when you started, but it you know helped my, my uh, sense of center again. It helped digestion for me. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're interested yeah. in speaking. No, I, 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 I'm just sort of dipping my toe in the water and really enjoying it. And I think the uh, the point you made about feeling the breath and understanding, you know, we all breathe. It's an automatic function or we wouldn't be alive, but we don't think about breath. And when we think about it, we also sort of meditatively put ourselves in the present moment, which is why all meditation seems to focus on breath. But I, I, I love what you're doing, and I, I think Julian – I want to thank Julian for introducing you to me and me to you. It, she's radiant, Julian. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. She's a beautiful well, your lady. Your work is, is another catchphrase, which I've sort of dug a bit deeper, which is the, the term big picture. Mm -hmm. So you're having to sort of take a step back rather than getting caught up in being a specialist in any one particular part of the mind and body. Right. So you're very much holistic, aren't you, regarding all concerns. There's a lot of concern, not just about trauma. But there's a big concern regarding the big picture, regarding age, as you yes. mentioned earlier on. Mm -hmm, absolutely. We're, we're hearing people talk about taking care of ourselves regarding age. But I think you're only as old as you feel. And then, of course, you, you feel physiologically and you feel mentally. Right. Yes. So we've got to tie the knot somewhere. And I think mm -hmm. that's what you've been able to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I think adjusting, uh, the word adjustment is coming up, yes. you know, being, um, and even for me, you know, I turned 43 uh, last February and I feel different. I don't feel 27 and um, it can be humbling and maddening and frustrating, but it's also just what is going to be. So how you are taking care and taking in and taking stock of diet, sleep, right? Ergonomics. Um, how much of what type of exercise do I need in a week, right? Because things change at different intervals in time, right? Like women, for example, after age 35, our hormone shift and bone density starts to very slowly, you know, and then that can go further south and, right, osteopenia, osteoporosis uh, can show up for some people. And um, it's interesting you're making me think about a few clients of mine that in the last year have had actually early diagnosis of like osteopenia or porosis. And <clears throat> there's usually an emotional, psycho-emotional component when they first get the numbers from the doctor and they can be angry um, or feel scared and they feel fragile. And so the first conversation that we have is I tell them you're not alone and you're also not super fragile. You know, it's, it's not as if you're, I don't know, running on cobblestone and high heels as a goal. I mean, if that's your goal, then let me help you with that. But, you know, it's feeling like, well, what do I need to adjust, right? And, and who who's going to help me do that? And if it's not just me, have you talked to, you know, your doctor about certain medications? Have you talked to your physical therapist? Um, you know, just opening up the conversation, right? So that they feel more empowered 
and less fragile because you're still in this bodysuit, right? You still have to figure some things out, right? So, But you've got to be, you're a bit like a, a, a superlative mind-body traffic cop. Sometimes. <laughs> Love it. What a way with words. Agreed. I think the free parts, so there's many individual smaller parts, but the bigger picture parts is what I call the genome mm -hmm. and the sequencing of it regarding what are the sequences based upon how we live our lives and how we are able to take care of our lives. Then you've got something I find fascinating, which is the microbiome. Mm -hmm. Two days ago, I got off because I've been doing a lot of research to find out how to access that kind of part of the human condition. And so I was talking to a very important specialist. He's a professor, a very highly regarded professor. Um, and he and I were talking about the microbiome, you see, because it's not something you go to your doctor or go to a tr physical place of getting your microbiome treated. And yet it, 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 we are microbiological creatures mm -hmm. that have got a way of thinking and how we actually interconnect all the pieces is so important. So wow. he was telling me something that you just mentioned a minute ago, which is the word stress. Mm -hmm. So he and I agreed that a lot of conditions, whether it be diseases or other ailments, if we don't look at the stress factor, really do something about it, yes, we can be as long as we live, but we have to do things, don't we? Yes. So he and I were talking about stress, and we were both on the same page when I said that regarding a lot of conditions, I'm not saying this is a cure for cancer or anything else, but I hear from a lot of people that are very sick regarding all kinds of diseases, and you look behind the curtain, and you find out that their lives have been very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. Of course, if it's like putting a house together. You've got to look at the condition of every part of the structure. Right. And if you don't look at the basement and the basement is finding cracks, then there's no point in paying too much attention to the leaking roof. Hmm. Well said. Well you know, said. Because it's a, it's a whole part of the big picture, whether it's taking care of your house or whether it's taking care of your body. You've got to keep the house, whether it is your body, whether it's your mind or whether it's what you're eating. Mm -hmm. So nutrition and microbiome and the genome are all on the same page. And when we look at the big picture, what you and I have been discussing, what we're having today as a conversation actually incorporates those mm -hmm. interrelationships. And you're, at the, you're someone who as I said, you're more than the icing on the cake. You, you've <laughs> got to represent all that constitutes the cake, which is why yeah. we've been talking over the years that I've known you regarding this word constitution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah, I think the, the microbiome is uh, fascinating. I hope we're continuing to delve in and study it. You know, I certainly have had issues uh, for example, in college, um, and this is back in 98 to 2000s, um, <clears throat> you know, you go to the student infirmary because you had a nasty cold and they give you these huge horse pills, right? Well, kind of a generic give out from that specific scenario. It wrecked or messed with my gut biome. I didn't find this out till years later when I was having chronic sinus stuff after every single cold. So it took me um, a mix of Western and Eastern medicine because I 
personally speaking, think that it should be a blend of both. Like I'll see my regular MD and if I really resonate with that person and they listen and they'll run tests and look me, you know, over uh, every way to Sunday. And then acupuncture has been something that again, another mentor of mine where I did my Pilates training, she was taking in my whole constitution uh, literally when I was about two years in and she just one day said, you know, have you ever been to acupuncture? And I said, no. She said, are you afraid of needles? I said, kind of, but I'll try it. (laughs) And uh, my goodness, like I go every three weeks still today Mm. because um, for me personally, I'm now just now understanding the alchemy sometimes of stress where it might uh, kind of inhibit my diaphragm and or digestion. And sometimes it's a chicken or the egg scenario, okay? Or sometimes, uh, yeah, I ate something too spicy and my body didn't like it and it takes 48 hours for it to right the ship. It's a very delicate balance. Um, I am in good health in that department as far as I know now. However, you know, we, we don't see or test necessarily microscopically down there unless it's a colonoscopy. And I don't even think that they do maybe what they'll be doing in a decade. You know, and and my father passed from colon cancer. So I'm very, very diligent and aware. um, And and I do have clients that have digestive issues. And I was just literally last Friday sending two of them um, some uh, supplement information. And I said, run this by your doctor and see if this is okay with, you know, your body and what you're taking. And just because I have had to do research and I feel very fortunate, I don't even have IBS, you know, that was, I was, everything was ruled out. It's like you go for the endoscopy and the colonoscopy and they give you a clean bill of health and you're jumping up and down, but then you're kind of left scratching your head, right? Where I had to look at food combining, uh, no allergies were triggered in the test. And uh, then I went to an osteopath who helped me, um, you know, immensely and a chiropractor. And and then I had to work with um, a life coach who was wonderful and helped me again, um, unzip stress and um, figure out, how to balance out just kind of the demands of life, right? So I think there are different, that was just my journey, but there are different ways in which certain things might line up for a person to help them. But I think stressors in general are definitely something that people should keep taking into consideration. And however you actually deal with the stress, great. If you take a good long run and you feel better, awesome. If you like to bake, if you like to get in the bathtub, if you want to come see me (laughs) for an hour, you know, like whatever the alchemy is um, I think that it is something to definitely keep addressing. And because you're a, a good researcher, and I'm a, a, a deep diver when it comes to research, yeah. and I was listening to somebody talk about this the other day, and it's why it complements the term that Tony Madaluna and I call it the, the, the well-being industry. So if you calculate the sort of composition of all the money that's spent in the pharmaceutical industry, all the money that's spent in the healthcare industry, including all the money spent into the insurance industry, you've got a trillion dollar industry. Well, I was doing some deep diving regarding what I think is in fact the makeup of our bodies and our brains, which is cells and molecules. So I did some looking up, and it's not that difficult to look up. Apparently, we, we, we are made up of a 30 trillion cells. And then I asked the question about, well, how many uh, molecules? Well, the, the figure was 2 times 10 to the power of 25. I haven't even figured out what that number would even look like. But there's an interrelation between molecules and cells and the reality of how we're supposed to be treating ourselves 
as a mind, body, psychological, biological, neurological, everything else logical. So there's a lot of science that's very much in accumulation. And you're at the, the head of this because of the deep research you do. And you, to- you don't just take things at face value, do you, uh, Candice? No, I don't. I, I, again, no, and no, because also, like I said, if something I'm giving a person is not, let's say, cutting their stress 100%, they're still having IBS or there's cyclical things going on, then okay, Western, check, 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 right? And then maybe you need a nutritionist over here, you know, it's in, in having the, again, the support systems and check. And um, this is bringing me to a thought that I um, had a few minutes ago, the whole art of cueing was something that I wanted to speak to really quickly because we're talking about listening and and I try to um, cue in a positive manner, um, can be an exploratory, but also an educational manner, right, for people. And, and not to flood your brain with too many thoughts, right? And that's where the listening and the being patient kind of pulling back comes in for what I do and watching, um, but also how you're talking to yourself, right? Which is something that, Julian, you've helped me so much with, um, and, and others, many others, right, getting out of our own way, <laughs> uh, which is something my mom said to me since I was little, you know, so it's just amazing how things again come back around, right, of how are you talking to yourself or how are you thinking about something in yourself and, and or situational, right, and how are you seeing maybe your body map? How, how can we change if there is something that needs to be bettered, the conversation where maybe we can help that whole microbiome, right? And the, and the cellular kind of response, um, because as we all know, if you dial down stress, you're helping like your phrenic nerve, right? You're doing the deep breathing and trying to get in, into the parasympathetic nervous system, getting it feeling calmer. And, and this is for even for someone who's never fallen down the stairs. This could be someone who you know, just lost a parent, right? Or, or you know, it, it really depends on, I think, again, the state of being. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, you know, and you're acknowledging, right? And, and then I'm seeing how that person is coming in or, okay, is it just me that needs to help this person? Or is it going to be a mix of things? Or what's the, where's the journey begin, right? Um, to feeling better and thinking hopefully better, you know, feeling better about yourself. Um, your work has certainly helped me, and I'm a very, um, thank goodness, I've had a very wonderful life thus far, and so thankful and grateful for everything I have, and wonderful family and friend structure, but there were pieces that uh, your work hit on, touched on, that helped me find some stuff that needed to go. Like, it was not so positive, it wasn't serving me, you know, so. Yeah, you're touching a really hot topic, which I, again, I did some research, I call it the Stephen Hawking's concept. Okay. That we've not only got a conversation that we're having with ourselves, right, which is often referred to as the psychology of how we're supposed to deal with the psychology. But the Stephen Hawking's part was that we've got an internal dialogue going on with ourselves. But then, of course, he had to interface with the external dialogue. There wasn't only his own condition, but there was a subjectivity of the conditions that are pronounced by typical treatment. So he wasn't sort of too surprised when his diagnosis was that you've now got this serious uh, uh, disease that's going to kill you. You've got about a year and a half to live. So he took his own internal dialogue, which he was a very skilled expert at physiologically and physically and scientifically, and he complied it with the external dialogue. So the two actually became very compatible. 
So he defied, he literally defied knowledge as far as scientific is concerned. Instead of passing away, which they were, the prognosis was within a year and a half, he lived until his 70s. So it shows you we've got to actually contend with this internal conversation that we have with ourselves and the external dialogue, which is basically all of the circumstances that are going on around us. So we've got to learn on behalf of how this microbiological piece of body equipment is, is in contention with the actual, uh, the mindfulness. Thank you very much, Candice, for being willing and being so open-minded that you are. I, I've always commended you. All of our dialogues, yours, mine, everybody else, really is a compliment to the nature of life. It's not just life, it's the nature of life. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.